you for joining Dr. McDaniel at GYN Corner, all things health-related for women. Please subscribe and join us again soon for another episode. Good afternoon. This is Dr. McDaniel at GYN Corner, and I am currently in the north of France on the train going southbound. And um, I started a presentation a couple of days ago talking about uh, the fact that cervical cancer is one of the few cancers that is actually preventable. It's preventable by two potential mechanisms. The first one is that cervical cancer is a viral infection. It's an infectious disease caused by human papillomavirus. And as I mentioned previously, there are over 180 strains of HPV. 14 have been designated as the most likely to cause cervical cancer if left to their own devices, and we call them the 14 high-risk strains of HPV. The first method or attempt at prevention is with the vaccine Gardasil 9. As I mentioned prior to this presentation, the first Gardasil covered two of those high-risk strains, covered the 16 and 18, and the Gardasil 9 covers seven of those strains. Uh, the remaining two represent HPV 6 and HPV 11. Those are considered low-risk strains, and they're predominantly responsible for consolomida acuminatum, which are genital warts. The HPV vaccine is what I call the better than nothing vaccine because it's better than nothing, but due to its nature, it's not 100%. So all of the vaccines available, we can get blood drawn, screen to see if someone already has immunity. If they don't, give them the vaccine, draw their blood again to see if they developed an immunity, and then periodically check to see if they're losing their immunity. And we know that all vaccines, given enough time, one will lose the immunity to that infectious disease. That's why booster shots are given for all other potential um, vaccinated infections. Unfortunately for HPV, we don't have a blood test to see if someone uh, will benefit from the vaccine or not. We don't have a blood test to see uh, when, if they've mounted immunity, nor to see when they lose their immunity, nor to be able to determine booster um, status. So the vaccine is a better than nothing vaccine. It's given to everyone in the US. It's up to 45 years old now. And it's better than nothing because we don't know who's immune, who isn't immune, but it's all that we have. So the first line of defense, I suppose, is to get the vaccine to potentially decrease the risk of one or more of the seven high-risk strains of HPV that the vaccine uh, is attempting to protect against. The second line of defense are Papanicolaou testing, the pap screen, pap test screening. The pap smear is an exfoliation of the cervix and it's a screening test so by definition all screening tests are cheap easy sorry accessible means to um, take the majority of people and divvy them up into two huge groups people who are 
are at a potentially low risk for developing the disease that we're looking for and those who are at a potentially high risk of developing the disease that we're looking for. So for the pap smear, uh, it's screening to see if someone is at an increased or a decreased risk for either developing early precancer, early cervical cancer, or for detecting early versus late precancer changes and diagnosing, treating, monitoring, and managing that person to uh, maintain a normal cervical cell state. Now, because the pap smear is a screening test, it's obviously not 100% um, correct when we get the reports back. And according to the research, the conventional pap smear is correct about 30, sorry, 55 to 65% of the time. So we call that a true negative or positive rate. So 55 to 65% of the time when someone is told that their pap is normal or abnormal, that is true. But it also means that we get a false rate for the pap. And that false rate is between 35 and 45%. So 35 to 45% of the time when women are told their pap is normal, it's not actually normal. Either the abnormal cells are still sitting on the cervix, they never made it to the slide to be evaluated, or they potentially made it to the slide and they weren't identified. And the converse is also true, 35 to 45% of the time when women are told that their pap is abnormal, it's not abnormal due to precancer cancer concerns, it's abnormal due to the environment. So red blood cells, white blood cells, yeast, fungal elements, bacterial, um, those are all potential inflammatory environments and they can cause irregularity of the cervical cells and provoke an abnormal report. That's why ideally we recommend women not come in for their pap test if there is any signs or symptoms of an infection and that's the usual um, irritation, itching, burning, swelling, discomfort, discharge liquid from the vagina or bad odor, or if there's any kind of bleeding present because of the potential for increasing a false abnormal rate. Now the conventional pap smear is simply done by exfoliating the cervix, spreading those cervical cells on the microscope, microscopic slide, spraying with the fixative and putting a cover slip or it's done by a liquid pap test where we take the spatula and the brush, we exfoliate the cervix, swish it around in a liquid medium, and then that liquid medium is transported to the lab. The lab then centrifuges it, so they spin off the cervical cells, they plate it themselves on the scope, and they evaluate those cervical cells under microscopy. What's left over is pap juice, and that pap juice has body fluids in it. And with the addition of evaluating the body fluids by running a viral culture to look for the presence or the absence of HPV activity, that combination of the conventional pap and the HPV culture is called a co-test. And I'll go in tomorrow on more details of the conventional versus the co-testing, PAP screening, and the advantages and potential disadvantages of that. 
Thank you very much for joining me. This is Dr. McDaniel at GYN Corner on Facebook. And please check out the YouTube channel that's also called GYN Corner. I'm not doing these live right now because I am traveling, so I've been taping the presentations. And when I get internet access, I've been loading them. So hopefully at some point today, um, but potentially tomorrow, I'll be able to load today's presentation. And today is Sunday. June 23rd, 2019, and this is a continuation of Can We Prevent Cervical Cancer? And the answer is yes, we can prevent cervical cancer if people follow the rules. Thank you for joining me here in northern France. Have a good rest of your day. <laughs> so you on YouTube too? Welcome to GYN Corner with Dr. McDaniel, all things health related for women. <laughs>